So 1 John and chapter 5, let's stand in honor of God's word. We've been in this uh, series in the book of 1 John and a little bit in and out of it just because of uh, the summer and travel and, and then special guests and such. In fact, next week we've got Brother Bill Marshall that'll be here preaching. You're going to be blessed by Brother Marshall. If you haven't heard him preach, uh, you're, you're in for a real blessing, I believe. And God saved him out of a life of drugs and alcohol and, I mean, just a mess. Um, I don't know if you've seen the track that he has, but it shows him with long hair. And now, I mean, he's, his hair, well, I just, I envy his hair, to be honest with you. Just, it's amazing. It's amazing. You say, well, it doesn't take much. Good point. Good point right there, right? But, but uh, man, I, you know, God just saved him out of that. And um, he was, you know, just living here in Oklahoma, cowboying and, and uh, living that life, but empty, empty. But now he's pastoring a church up in St. Joseph, Missouri. And is traveling around and just is a blessing. So you're going you're gonna to be greatly blessed there. Okay, let's get to it here tonight. First John chapter 5, and let's just begin in verse number 1. Our text is going to be verse 6 through 10, but it's sure going to help us to get a good run at it. So John says, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. How do you know if a person loves God or not? Well, do they keep God's commandments? It, it's, um, it sends a confusing signal. It's hypocritical to say, yes, I love God, and yet you're not keeping his commandments. John says, this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments Watch this, verse 3. And his commandments are not grievous. They're not a heavy burden. Okay? His commandments are not grievous. And then he answers the reason as to why in verse 4. For whosoever, I'm sorry, for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? He, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Who is he that overcometh the world? He that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. This is he, verse six. This is he that came by water, and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the spirit that beareth witness because the spirit is truth. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the father, the word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. The Father, the Word, uh, like John said in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So the Word here is in reference to the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. All right, so these three are one. Verse number eight, and there are three that bear witness. Here's that word again. There are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit and the water and the blood. 
And these three agree in one. You say, man, there's a lot of agreeing going on. Well, we need to know what they're agreeing about, right? If we receive, I'm in verse nine now. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, made God a liar. You say, I don't think that's going to go very well. That's right. Hath made him a liar because he believeth not the record. Record is the same word as witness. Believeth not the record that God gave of his son. And the idea really does continue into verses 11 through 13. You know, and this is the record that God hath given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He that hath the son hath life. And he that hath not the son of God hath not life. And then he says, these things have I written unto you. I mean, classic verses, great verses. All of them are. Okay. But tonight we're going to cover verses six through 10. And the title of the message is this. Don't think less of the one who has proven to be more. Don't think less of the one who has proven to be more. May God bless the reading of his word here tonight. Don't think less of the one who has proven to be more. put a lot of emphasis on uh, references. Uh, probably you've either asked for someone to be a reference for you or you've given a reference. Most likely, I'm sure that a lot of you, especially as adults, have done that. And maybe some of the young people as well. If not, you're getting ready to, no doubt. Uh, you need references for a job. Well, you need a job. Okay. You need a job. And a lot of times you'll need a reference for that job, it'll ask, you know, would you list references? And, and um, so you contact a person, hey, would you be willing to be a reference for me? Would you be willing and able to be a reference? Uh, reference for applying to come to school. I've filled out a good number of them already, you know, references for school. And uh, both of kids getting into a Christian school, elementary in high school, and then also, of course, college. Uh, reference for military service. I've had a couple occasions, at least, for some that have made advancement, maybe even in uh, the realm of uh, the FBI and other references there. And, and uh, those phone calls, even though I don't have anything to hide, they just make me nervous anyways, you know what I mean? When the FBI calls. So, but you need a reference. They, they do a big, big time, as you might imagine, a big time background check and just making sure that who this person says they are is who they say they are and things of that nature, a reference. Just today, I had an individual contact me. Hey, would you be willing to serve as a reference? They uh, believe God may be leading them to pastor and, and this is an individual in a different state. And so they're asking, hey, would you be willing to be a reference? 
And so I indicated that I'd be glad to. And, and so um, I'm thankful because here's why. Because, well, number one, he's a person of character because the church doesn't need, just need a pastor. It needs a pastor of character for sure. And churches do need uh, pastors. And so a reference. So a reference. A reference is a person to whom one refers for a testimony as to a person's character and or their ability. Okay, so if you're a reference and you're saying, yes, this person uh, is of good character. And when it comes to the role, I could see them fitting that role. That's always tough. I, I never feel qualified to weigh in on that. I mean, I, I trust the Lord to to be the one guiding there, but I can at least give a, a reference to what I do know, a testimony to what I do know, a witness to what I do know. If there's a red flag, then I want to raise the red flag and say, you know, this person has grown, but I'm concerned about this. You know, sometimes it goes this way. Uh, some young man maybe comes to me, hey, what do you think about this young lady? It doesn't happen as much right now as I'm not the college career director, but I guarantee that Brother Andrew and Miss Abby get a bunch of that and maybe others in the room do as well. Hey, what do you think about this person? Which by the way, think about the way that you're living so that when somebody comes and asks about you, you'd be of good character. Huh? Wait a minute, that's not the message, but that'll preach right there. Make it easy for the person giving your reference. Okay, I'll move on. But anyways, you need to think about that. So they may ask about that. What do you think about this person? And, and uh, what do you think about their background? And so all those things are coming in. I'm, I'm basically, or you're basically given a testimony concerning how they would fit that role or how they would uh, hold up under those demands. Maybe it's somebody's being considered for a, a pastoral role or maybe a teacher, uh, or, or maybe it is, you know, the FBI or military service. How has this person proven themselves? Will they, will they, uh, uh, break under pressure. And you know, there's no way that any of us have uh, the ability to know that, but we can tell at least what we do know about that individual to see would they fit that role. Since faith is only as good as its source, let me run that by again. Since faith is only as good as its source, it's essential that the one to whom we've trusted our eternal security is trustworthy that he would have good references. I don't mean that irreverently at all. But what we're looking at when we look at 1 John chapter number five and these verses that we've considered is we're looking at the credentials of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're looking at his references. We're looking at what others say about him because it was a big deal here for John. And by the way, it's a big deal for us that we should and, and are able to reference him, reverence him, respect him, trust him. How does his references check out? How does his references check out? Let me ask you this. Is he worthy of your entire life? Is he qualified? Will he cave under pressure? Will he fit the role? Are you following me right here? Will he fit the role? Does he match what it takes to be your savior? Well, I'm glad to tell you, he's more than qualified, more than qualified. What does the evidence indicate? Uh, these individuals were believing that Jesus was both 100% God and 100% human, that, that he was 100% God and 100% man. And listen, folks, that's a big deal. It's a big deal. And so uh, even just recently, in fact, today, somebody sent a, a link to an article that, that indicated that they're in Israel right around uh, Megiddo. 
where Armageddon's going to be, but right there at Megiddo, they unearthed, they were uh, actually, I think, developing or building a prison, but as they were digging down, they came across this mosaic that dates back to the third century, and it was during the time when the Romans were still persecuting the, uh, the Christians, and part of the mosaic had this inscription. It said this, to God, Jesus Christ. To God, Jesus Christ. So all the way back to the third century, believers held to the truth that Jesus is God. That's what they believed. That's what they were persecuted for. And John's purpose here is to indicate to these believers that he is more than adequate and there is adequate evidence that he is trustworthy, that he is who he said he was. The word witness, if you paid attention to the, to the reading, I tried to, to call great attention to that. The word witness or record or testify is, is used uh, many times uh, in the New Testament. It's used the noun testimony, witness, evidence is used 37 times in the New Testament. Six times, listen, six times the noun for witness or, or um, testimony is used right here in this passage. Six times in these verses. All six times, the noun. The verb is used a good number of times in the New Testament, 79 times specifically, seven times in 1 John, five times in our verses. So witness is very important to this passage. Would we all agree about that? That John is saying, uh, there's one that bears witness of who Jesus is. There's one who bears record. There's one who testifies. There's one who attests, attests to who he is, affirms who he is confirms who he is, someone who approves of who he is, someone who speaks well of who he is. What? Who does all that? And what exactly are they saying about him? See, the reasonableness of our faith depends on what it's grounded in. In fact, I, I like uh, the Cambridge Bible had this, this statement. Let me, just, let me just read it here for, for a moment. It said this, the identity of the historic person of Jesus, who Jesus really is, as with the eternal son of God, is once more insisted upon as the central and indispensable truth of the faith. No, no wait a minute. I know you, maybe, maybe you're just getting here. Maybe you just, get, I mean, you're, you're, you're just getting here from work. And your mind is still at work. Here, here's what John is saying. Listen, you need to understand that Jesus, that the identity of the historic Jesus, who Jesus is as the son of God is central and indispensable to our faith as believers. It is the only faith that can overcome the world and give eternal life. And it goes on, the Cambridge Bible uh, statement goes on to say this, it is a truth attested by witness of the highest and most extraordinary kind. This truth about who Jesus is as a son of God and the son of man is attested by the witness of the highest and the most extraordinary kind. This is not another man that is filling out this Reference, so to speak. The identity of Jesus is crucial for our faith. Who he really is. You say, I have no problem with that. 
uh, well, I'm glad. I'm glad you got that settled. It ought to be a settled matter. But I'm telling you that there'll come a time, no doubt, in your life. Maybe it'll be in a college class somewhere. Well, you're called upon to attest to your faith and there's not other believers there at OCCC or at OU or at Chick-fil-A where you're working and, or whatever other place there. And, and they, they may think that you're off to devote your whole life to this one named Jesus. The identity of Jesus has been under attack since he came. The religious leaders attacked him. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders, they mocked him and, and scoffed at him, the idea that he was the Son of God. Because if he's the Son of God, that is a claim they understood. They understood it was a claim to a deity. That's why they wanted to stone him. So they questioned him. The, the Roman officials asked who he was and questioned him. His birth. I mean, we should not be surprised that Satan, the enemy of God, has attacked the person of Jesus Christ. His birth has been questioned. His virgin birth. The purity of his life has been questioned. The temptation of Christ back in the 80s. Some of you would remember that. I mean, his purity of life. I'm glad to tell you tonight that he is holy, holy, holy and can't be otherwise. But his purity has been questioned. His motive has been questioned. His death has been questioned. My friend, listen, he truly did die on that cross. He didn't just pass out. He didn't swoon. He didn't get in that cold grave and it woke him up. No, he was dead. The Roman soldiers knew that he was dead. But his death is under attack. His resurrection is under attack. The Jewish leaders, they paid these individuals to say, listen, they say that his disciples came while we were asleep and stole the body. That's the lie that tells the truth. Wait a minute, you mean to tell me that you were asleep and you saw his disciples take his body? Yes. You were asleep and you saw him. Okay, I didn't think about that, right? His resurrection is under attack. His second coming is under attack. They portray him. He's been portrayed, listen to me here tonight. The cults have, portrayed, have portrayed him as the brother of Lucifer. But that he is not. They have portrayed him as the first of the created beings. But listen, my friend, Jesus, our Savior, has never been created. He is the creator, but he is not created. He is not created. He has been overshadowed in his significance by Mary. But he's not to be second to any. He's to have preeminence. He's not to be overshadowed there. He's, his holiness has been insulted. Our Savior's holiness has been insulted by those who bring him down to be like us. And call Jesus hip and cool and put him in blue jeans. Listen, my friend, that's irreverent to our Savior. It's irreverent. We're made to be narrow-minded. We're made to be ignorant. We're made to be uncultured in this pluralistic society, not intellectual, insensitive to Jews and Muslims and Buddhists and Hindus because we believe what the Bible says, that there's only one way for salvation. The mantra is live and let live. Hey, it doesn't matter what you believe, but listen, friend, John didn't hold to that. We can't hold to that. Jesus didn't teach that. It does matter who he is. He's been misrepresented. He's been lied about. And, and of all things as well, he's been, we've made less of him because we've made more of us. 
In many ways, I fear, church, that, that we've made the Christian life much more about us than we've made the Christian life about Him. He is to be preeminent here. It's not us that's to be preeminent here. We're to put Him first, not us first. We're to think of Him, not us. Faith in Jesus is essential. But listen, a faith in a Jesus that is less than 100% God and less than 100% man is a faith in a Jesus that cannot, will not help you. We'll run that by you one more time. A faith in a Jesus that is less than 100% God and less than 100% man, number one, can't save you. And then after saved, he couldn't help you. So John is combating this, this theological error and he's, he's taking off the gloves Well, he never actually ever put them on. And he's just swinging and he's saying, listen, they're denying the deity of Jesus Christ. They're denying the humanity of Jesus Christ. And John is standing boldly for the faith once delivered to the saints and saying he is who he is and he can't be otherwise. Amen. And he's sufficient. And so we come to this passage here that, that, to be very honest with you, is not a very easy passage. But it is, a, it is actually, as we get into it, it is a very clear passage. I think it helps us to understand and to think about it here uh, this, this evening that, that what he's dealing with is, is he's, he's dealing with the false doctrine that had gone out uh, from those, uh, those false teachers, maybe even somewhat tied to a man named Corinthus. There's a great possibility that this man named Corinthus who taught or this pre-Gnosticism that kind of crept into the church, which by the way, we've got to keep our guard up, not let our doctrinal guard down. Because false doctrine can slip in here just like it can anywhere else. And they were, they were believing that, or teaching that, that he wasn't fully man or he wasn't fully God. He wasn't always Christ. Corinthus taught this. I'm just, I'm throwing this out here for our consideration because I think it directly plays into the interpretation of the verses that we're going to look at. And let me, let me just back up here a little bit to say what, what John has been saying so we get it. He's basically saying this. Listen, if you love God, you're going to love people. And if you love people, you need to love God. Because once you start trying to love people, you're going to realize they're not easy. Because you're not easy. Come on, everybody, listen to me right here. You're going to realize you're going to, in a hurry that your love for people is going to run thin if it's all about trying to serve people. It's got to be about loving and serving Him. And He'll give you the power and the ability to love people even that you don't even want to love. That's what He'll do. That's what He's able to do. Because the greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And also he's indicating this. This is the faith. This is the victory rather that overcomes the world. Because when you, listen, hang on. Is everybody following this right here? When you love God, you keep his commandments and his commandments are not a bummer. Okay, that wasn't, that wasn't what he said right there, but that's the idea. His, his, his commandments are not like, oh, man, this Christian life is so difficult and I hate it. No, no, no. Look, if you hate the Christian life, then you're not drawing from the right source. Amen. I'm not saying that you're not saved. I'm saying everybody here ought to make sure that you are saved because this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Faith. But the faith there is not just faith in faith. The faith there is not... Is not the faith in your church. The faith there is not the faith in people. The faith there is none other than faith in Jesus Christ. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that, he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Amen. This is he that came by water and by blood. Not by water only, but by water and blood. You say, okay, I don't get it. I'm tapping out right there. I don't get it. 
Okay, now wait a minute, don't tap out, don't zone out, don't nap out, okay? You, you gotta get this, because John is saying, listen, you have within you, in the relationship with Jesus Christ, you have within you the ability and the power not only to be born of him. Hang on, wait a minute. You can't be saved without him. You can't be saved without acknowledging that he is the Christ. He always has been the Christ. He is the son of God. He always has been the Son of God. There never has been a time when He wasn't. He is the Son of God. When you understand you're a sinner, and just like Brother Kevin sang a moment ago, nothing am I, oh, that's exactly right. But in Him, He saves us and redeems us and puts us in His royal bloodline. My soul, somebody might get happy in here by accident tonight if you just keep listening. And so He saves you. But listen, just like He saved you because you couldn't save yourself, then He wants to live the Christian life through you in His power, not your own. That's why some of you are experiencing growth right now. And that's why some of you are not. But you can. You can if you know who he is and you draw close to him. Paul said, hang on, we're, we're, still, we're still getting to the message here. I'm just kind of getting warmed up. Here, here's what Paul said. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He did not say, friend, just be strong. Just suck it up, buttercup, and be stronger. No. He sure didn't say buttercup, did he, Clayton? He didn't say be strong. Just be strong. Just man up. Just man up. Come on, man up. No, he didn't say that. He said be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. Amen. You say, man, I keep falling into temptation. I keep giving in to temptation. I keep, I keep uh, wanting to give up because it's so hard. I, I get so tired of dealing with people. Well, here's the problem, the source. The source. There's not a problem with him as a source. The problem is, is that we don't tap into him as the source. In fact, I really thought about the title of the message as this, connected to the right source. And we're going to get to that in just a moment. But I'm afraid here's the problem. We think less of the one who's much more. We think less. We think less. Either we think less in the form of, of not really understanding and, and, under, and, and, and evaluating as to who he is, or, or, or this, we just kind of get him out of our minds. And we literally think less of him, think less about him, and no wonder we fail in our Christian life because we're not thinking of the one who has the ability to really help us. And John is saying, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcomes the world? He that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And then he goes in this. This is he. This is he that came by water and blood. Not by water only, but by water and blood. You say, okay, what does all that mean? Well, good question. It is the question of the century it's a question of 1 John. It's one of the most difficult passages. But, but I, I really don't think it has to be if we just get in the flow of thought. Because remember what Corinthus or people like him were saying? Corinthus, I don't think I ever finished that thought. I'm not sure I'm going to finish all these, but you just catch all that you can, okay? Corinthus taught something like this. He became the Christ at his baptism. The Holy Ghost by the, the dove descended upon him and he became the Christ. And then they teach this. And this is what some of those in Asia Minor were hearing there in Ephesus, that before he died on the cross, that the Christ left him. And thus, he died as a mere man. Well, if he died as a mere man, dear friend, your sins have not been atoned. Because he'd have sins just like you and I have sins. Sorry, I'm just getting loaded right here. <laughs> if he died as God in the flesh without sin, 
that he who knew no sin became sin for us, and thus your sins are atoned, and in Christ you're justified, declared righteous, and treated that way. You don't deserve it because you never could have in a million years, friend. But he deserves it. He is worthy. We are not worthy. And when you're saved, he comes to live within you. And this is he. That, oh, look at what John is saying. He said he came by water and he came by blood. And he didn't just come by water only, but he came by water and blood. You say, I'm still tapped out, preacher. I'm not sure what all that means. Well, just think about it. Okay, there's possibilities here and some of them are weird, okay? Not all of them are worth our, our consideration here tonight, but I'm going to run about four of them by you. Water and blood, what does that mean? Water and blood, water and blood, what does that mean? Well, some say it's when they pierce his side and blood and water came out. But you never thought of that one. You know why? Because it's not in the text. You say, yeah, but he came by water and blood. Well, John didn't have that in mind when he wrote that. Look what it says again. He came by water and blood. He came. Is everybody still right here with me? He came by water and blood. He came by it. He came by water and blood. That means this. It has to do with his mission and how he came into the earth. He came. But when he was on the cross, that's not when he came. He'd been on the earth a good bit by that time. You follow me? So I don't think that one's even worthy of consideration that he came by water and blood. John referenced that. But in John, I've got a lot. If you want more notes on this, I've got a ton up there that I'm just remembering all that I can right now. But, but if, if you want more on that, John said, I testify of this. But it was not the water and blood that was testifying as to who he was. It was John testifying. I saw water and blood come out of him because his heart was broken for us. You follow me? Water and blood gushed out. And he came by water and blood is what John said, but that was water and blood coming out of him. So X that one. The, the next one would be this, the Lord's Supper. He came by water and he came by blood. Water is baptism, blood is the Lord's Supper. Okay. I scratched my bald head a minute on that and thought, you know, that didn't even fit the context there because that's a foreign thought. John this whole time has been talking about how that he's 100% man, 100% God. Why would he now change topics midstream? I mean, I know preachers nowadays do this, but, <laughs> but this is under inspiration. And he's not suddenly going to talk about the Lord's Supper. Water, yes, baptism, that fits. Blood, yes, that fits. The, the, the fruit of the vine, the grape juice represents his blood. But what about the body? It doesn't really fit. It falls apart. Some say it's water. He came by water by way of his birth and blood by way of his death. Okay, we're getting a little bit closer right here. Came by water by way of his birth, but that's a foreign thought. It doesn't really fit the context of what he's been talking about. Came by water in what sense? Well, the water breaks and the, uh, ba the, the baby's going to be born and all that. I mean, some kind of make it fit there. I don't, think that's what he's, I don't think that's what he's saying because of what he's dealing with in terms of the, the theological controversy that is raging where Corinthus said something like this or to the effect, he became the Christ at his baptism and he ceased to be the Christ at his death. John said, Bogus. Okay, he didn't really say bogus. I guess that's a little, I don't know. What he, no, okay. He, he's saying this, listen, this is his life mission. When did his earthly ministry begin? At his baptism. Water, that fits. His water baptism. In fact, if you look in John chapter one, John the Baptist baptized him and John bear record that this is the son of God. And the, 
Oh, mercy. The Father spoke from heaven and said at that moment at his baptism, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. The Holy Ghost in the form of the dove descended upon him, not to make him the Christ, but to let people know right there that he was the Christ. But he did not cease to be the Christ at the time of his death, represented here in the text by his blood. So John is saying, listen, don't believe the false doctrine that he became the Christ at his baptism and ceased to be the Christ before his death. No, he came by water, but not just by water only. He came also by blood. And he, ooh, he was no less God when he died Amen. than when he lived. Same Christ. Amen. This is he, he says. This is he. This, he's got the power to enable you to live the Christian life to overcome because in his earthly mission on earth, from his baptism all the way to his death, proven by his resurrection, he is the Christ. He is the Son of God. You say, I need more proof. The Holy Spirit also testifieth, witnesses. I'm in the next part of the verse. Look at it. I'm catching my breath. You know, I run so that I can preach longer. Amen. <laughs> Some of you say, man, I hope he stops running. <laughs> Couldn't keep running here. This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And this is the Spirit. And I've got about seven reasons as to why that's probably his baptism and his death, but I don't have time to go back and look at the notes. You can just check, check, check. <laughs> Help me out, Brother Seth. <laughs> you can check it out later. Okay? <laughs> okay. Look at this. Because the Spirit, okay, and this is, and it is the Spirit that beareth witness because the Spirit is truth. So we have the baptism of Jesus verifying that he is the son of God. We have at his death, even a Roman centurion saying, surely this was the son of God. And the world and the, the place was dark from, from the, the, the hours that were there. And for the span of three hours, I'm telling you, it's verifying that he is who he said he was. And then the spirit of God also bears witness. There's three. You say, I think I need more than that. Okay, look at the next verse. Verse number eight. And there are three that bear witness. Oh, no, wait. Verse number seven. Liberals skip that verse. Verse number seven. For there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father and the Word and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. Amen. There are those that say that verse is not in the Bible, but look at it. It's right there. Yeah. Yeah. I heard Matthew Henry well, Jonathan, your dad's name is Matthew Henry, right? Matthew Henry. Matthew Henry, who he's maybe named after even. Matthew Henry has a great explanation. It's a little bit lengthy to read through. But way back then, he said, this, this is in the Bible. And liberal scholars say, well, the church fathers didn't quote it. Well, that, like that really matters. But I understand what they're saying. But the truth of the matter is that, is that uh, Cyprian quoted it along about 250 AD. And then Tertullian also is quoting something in reference to it. So evidently it had some record even back then. So just, just when, when man's opinion begins to conflict with the word of God, just stick with the word of God. Okay. And so it says, listen, these three are one, the father, the son, the Holy ghost, there's the Trinity. And these three are bearing witness of the son. The father bears witness of the son. The son obviously bore witness as to who he was by his miracles and by his spoken word. And then the Holy ghost in the pages of scripture, 
here tonight, listen, listen here. In the pages of scripture tonight is bearing record that he is indeed the son of God. So the Holy Ghost and the son of God and the father are bearing witness. You talk about some references. You talk about a resume. Who's qualified to save you? They won't bear you reference. They won't bear a priest reference. They won't bear a church reference, but they'll bear the son reference that he's able to save you. And, and then look at this next part. It says, and there are three that bear record on earth. We've already covered them. There are three that bear witness on earth, the spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree in one. And then he reasons with them in verse, in verse number nine. If we receive the witness of men, well, how would they receive the witness of men? Well, Deuteronomy, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, right? If we receive the witness of men, okay, so if we have a car accident and you saw it, you saw it, and you saw it, and you saw it, there's three witnesses, and you all saw the same thing. And this guy rear-ended this guy, but now he's trying to say, no, I didn't do that. You saw it, you saw it, you saw it. So who are we going to believe? Let's go with these three. They saw it. First hand, they have no motive. They have no reason. They're not getting any money out of this, right? No. Nope. Right. Okay. So they saw it. They're witnesses. So if we receive the witness of men, watch this, the witness of God is greater. Amen. If we receive the witness of men, if we believe men, then why in the world would we not say, yes, God's right about this? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. That's what he's saying. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. Uh, in verse number nine, look at the rest of it. For this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his Son. And then verse 10, he that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself, the Holy Spirit of God. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar because he hath not believed the record that God gave of his Son. You say, what does all this matter? Oh, my soul, what does all this matter? Heaven and hell. Right. Heaven and hell are, are in the balance here. Right. Because if Jesus, if Jesus is not who he said he was, if he's not who the Father said he was, and if he's not who the Holy Ghost said he was, then he's not the Savior and he's not qualified to save you. Right. But since he is who they said he was, then he is qualified to save you and qualified to help you today. So don't think less of the one who has proven to be more. Because you can't run a bus on a nine-volt battery. Amen right there? Brother Carl, raise your hand over here. Brother Carl, we'll see right here. Uh, just one more time, Brother Carl. Brother Carl's going to begin to lead the bus uh, ministry starting this Saturday and I'm excited about that and I contacted him earlier today and said, uh, hey, you got, a, you got a bus battery handy. And so anyways, he went and got, got a new one just so that we could use it here tonight. I'm just bringing, bringing one out. It takes two. Oh, my soul. <laughs> Friend, that's a battery. <laughs> On a cold January morning. I guarantee you, you want something like that rather than this. <laughs> huh? I'm talking about even in your car. Let's just talk about your car, let alone a bus. Just your car, you want something that's heavy, something that's got juice in it, something that's got some cold cranking amps, right? Some cold cranking amps, something that'll get that engine to fire up, something that'll get it started. And, and 
Keep it going. <laughs> Come on now. You need a little bit of both right there. When things are cold, you need some power that's going to get it started, and then you need some power that's going to keep it going. And this won't do it. Well, it says remove. Okay. Like this is dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, look, that's not going to start your car. It's not. It's definitely not going to keep it going. Here's what I think is the problem. I spent all, all the time tonight going, and I don't apologize for that at all, to talk about our Savior and how great He is. And just to emphasize and drill home that He's not the brother of Lucifer, and He's not some angelic being that's created by God. And then create, no, He's the creator of the ends of the earth, and he can be, He's all that you need. And He can save you, and He can sustain you, and He can provide for you, and can help you get through school. He can help you keep your testimony. And when you start to lose a loved one, or you lost a loved one, he can sustain you through that time. And when you're low and you're depressed, He can come beside you and lift you up and encourage you. But I'm afraid here's what the problem is. Some of us are trying to live our Christian life on something like this. You're living on your personality and your personality is about that big. I'm not trying to offend you. I'm just trying to say mine too. And my wisdom's about that big. Actually, I'm more like a AAA battery. Come on. I don't know. You don't know. I don't have the ability to pastor here. I, I can't do what God's called me to do as a husband or as a dad. I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just glad to admit that to you. Amen. You say, I don't think you should admit that out loud. How else am I going to admit it? I don't have a clue. But listen, it's not my power. It's not my wisdom. I can leave that at the altar and take this and this, my friend, will power it up. And this, my friend, will keep you going. But if you try to go through your semester or you try to go through your life in the power of your human ingenuity or in someone that is less than God, John is saying you're not going to last. Because right. he's 100% God and 100% man and you haven't believed a lie. Yeah, amen. Yeah. That's, that's why the Penopes are giving their life to serve him in India because the 33 million plus gods are not enough to sustain life in India. That's right. And all the materialism of America is not enough to satisfy our soul, dear friend. And the people in Kenya need to know this Savior. And the Native American, and people say, well, leave the Native American alone. They've got their spirit gods. The Native American is going to die and go to hell without the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Catholics will die and go to hell without Jesus Christ. You say, no, they got the saints. They got St. Thomas and St. Mark and St. John and Mary. And they got all of them. No, here's who they need. They need Jesus, dear friend. They need Jesus because he's the one that died for them. You better be convinced of that in your very soul. Because this pluralistic society is going to push you on it. And this society that believes that we're the product of an evolutionary process that's just random chance is going to push you on it. And we heard it even at the, and, and maybe a great road trip for you and your family is the, is the Institute of Christian Research. Fantastic there in Dallas, top notch, well done. And, but we, we heard from scientists that were there and they're debunking, they're debunking evolution in our day and time showing that it doesn't even work. But I believe, I believe it was this testimony. I believe it was Henry Morris that was in class. And I may have that wrong, but if it is not the right person, then it's a great illustration. 
He was in class, I believe it was Rice University, and the first day of class, this is back in like the 1920s, 1930s, somewhere right in there, the teacher walked in and asked this question, who in this class, almost in a degrading, de derogatory way, said, who in this class believes in the biblical account of creation? And Henry Morris, if he was the one that I'm thinking about, raised his hand like this. But a young lady raised her hand like this. He'd grown up around some of those things. But he wondered, why did she raise her hand so high? And he raised his hand skittishly. She knew who he was. And he said he set out to find that out. And boy, did he ever raise his hand and wrote a bunch of books about biblical creation. What if you're asked, who here today believes that we have the Bible and that it's preserved for us? How many would say, mm. no, how many would say, I believe it's the Bible. I believe it's God's holy word. Teenagers, I remember when I was a teen and I started taking my Bible to school. I didn't take my big family Bible. <laughs> Put it on the desk. I didn't do that. You know, I didn't stand and pray. All right, everybody bow your head, close your eyes here in the cafeteria. Pray, oh God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. <laughs> Use about three syllables to say Jacob. <laughs> no. I learned just to bow my head there and just thank God for the food before I ate. Amen. I didn't stand on the table and do it. I think I told you, nor did I do the napkin prayer where you drop the napkin, pick it up. Lord, sure, thank you for the food. Appreciate it. <laughs> so nobody knows what you're doing. But I did, I started carrying my Bible, but I carried a little Gideon's New Testament and I hid it in my bag in an ag class. Come on, I was in Kentucky. In ag class, I'd open up my Bible and read without anybody knowing it. Because I was ashamed. I was afraid, what would people think if they knew that I, a cool guy in school, Hey, what was that? Somebody laughed over here. What would they think if they saw me read my Bible? You know, I got to the place where it wasn't flaunting it, but I was thankful to have my Bible in our public school and not being ashamed because he's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he's the Son of God. And we've got no reason to be ashamed in this society. As wicked and vile as it is, we've got no reason because we've got the true source of power in our life. Amen. From his baptism to his death on the cross, he proved who he was. And beyond that, in eternity past and eternity future, he is the eternal Son of God. And he can power, I don't mean it irreverently, he can power your life. Thank God we get to know him. Let's stand together here tonight. <clears throat> Which source of power represents your source? Maybe you're thinking too little of how great he is. You're thinking less when he's already proven to be more. His credentials indicate he's more. His references, the Trinity, you can't go higher than that. The Trinity proves, and declares who he is. He's sufficient. He can forgive you of your sin. 
He can help you get past your sin. He can help you to forgive. He can help you make it through the trial. He is. This is He. Thank you, dear God. Your power and great glory. Lord, I praise you that that you're no less today who you always have been in eternity past and into eternity future. We're the same yesterday, today, and forever and sufficient for all times. Our sufficiency is so lacking. We are not sufficient for these things, dear God. That is so true. I recognize that. I pray you'd help us through your word and time with you in prayer in fellowship with the saints that we get to know you and the power of your resurrection and the fellowship even of your suffering. Help those that have need tonight to turn aside in Jesus' name. Amen.